podcast from here on out as of right now obviously i'll adjust that as needed because i am a full-time student and um you know i'm busy but yeah that's gonna be the vibe um yeah i know it's been two months since the last one but yeah we're back now thank you so much for tuning in again and yeah here's the podcast what a setup we got going okay all right camera's rolling all right uncovers (laughs) (laughs) all right girls and gays I'm gonna go ahead and start recording audio. Wait, is this like the podcast? No, it hasn't started yet. Ready? And action! All right. And we're back! Hello! (laughs) Welcome back to Chronically Online, episode two, the podcast where we do be online. Chronically. Chronically. I'm so happy to be back. I know it's been a minute. Thank you all so much for waiting and for tuning in. But now I'm back, baby. Baby, baby I'm back. On a roll. This month we are joined by the one and only. They go by many names: JC Rocket, mm-hmm. Onion, Pain in My Ass, Slime Bitch. Slime Bitch. <laughs> we have the one and only Jack Chavis. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me, Shani Banani. Of course. Yeah. Um. So yeah, would you like to just? Yourself, just sure. Yeah. About yourself. Okay, so my name is Jack. I uh, met Shannon through uh, theater at UGA. I'm a fourth year. Um, I lived in Boston for a couple years and went to Berkeley College of Music there, and then transferred back down to UGA once the panty happened. Um, and yeah, Shannon's just been been my girl for a minute and I'm excited to hop into this podcast. Thanks for having me. Of course, thank you for being here. Um, Yeah, so we've known each other for a bit and... How long? It's been... been We met in like... Met, met in like April. April? We became friends in like May. I was about to say, I... I knew something was special about you when, we, when we like first met, and mm-hmm. um, I was like, I need to I think, know that. Yeah, I, it was your shoes. You, you <laughs> <laughs> I showed up at the dress rehearsal for um, Broadway Backwards, and oh, you were wearing these beautiful like, like velvet the, gold ooh. boots, and yeah, I have these boots. They're like blue velvet with gold constellations on them. They're mm-hmm. like my signature like boots. I knew those were gonna make a splash. <laughs> I'm so glad they brought you to me, and then we. We really bonded, and this really fits in line with what we're going to be talking about today. What really brought us together was our shared love for Taylor Swift. Oh my god. Yeah, we both are big Swifties. I'm glad that you mentioned that, because same topic, the moment that I knew that we were going to be friends is... The moment I knew. <laughs> there was a night that we went out, and then we, I think it was like you, me, Quinn, and Caroline. Yeah. And we came into my room... And we were just playing music, and then Enchanted by Taylor Swift came on. And and this was, everyone, this was before the song blew up on TikTok. Yes, before. So this was still kind of just we like... We were ahead of the curve. I was about to say, this was kind of just still... It was still a fan favorite. It wasn't a fan like, favorite, like a, if you know, you know type mm-hmm. beat. Um, 
And I have a video on my phone of Shannon standing on my bed performing that song like a rock star. Oh. And <laughs> that the moment I knew, <laughs> the moment I knew. I know, that literally was, I was like, wait, we're both, we need to be friends. Yeah. And it's here like we are. find each other. It's like how all the, um, I don't know Maybe if this is your, I was about to say, I don't know if this is your experience, but me growing up, all of my closest friends, of course we didn't like know it at the time, because it's like, but they all about, like elementary school, but since we've all grown up, every last one has come out as like, some sort of queer, some, sort of queer. some, yeah. some species of queer. Yeah, um, I know for me, like, all the ones that I'm still close with have come out of some sort of queer. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah, I think I think the gay people find each other, and since I've been in college, I feel like the gay people keep finding each other. It's kind of the, it's the same thing, the Swifties find each other, but also, <laughs> but also the, the, the queer people find each other. Yeah, we need to add an S to the LGBTQ+. Plus for Swifty. For Swifty. Well, I love that the Swifty fandom has been kind of co-opted by the gay people. For sure. That makes me really happy. And you know what, speaking of fandoms, what a perfect segue to dive into. Our very first, first of all, before I do that though, I want to say thank you so much for 150 listens on episode one. Hello. I'm not sure if I mentioned that already, but. No, you didn't. Thank you so much. Um, and I like 100 of those within like the first week. So thank you so, so much for the support so far. I love you all. And thank you to everyone who's like come up to me like in public and been like, oh my God, I loved your podcast. Like that means so much to me. Like <laughs> I feel so loved. Thank you all so much. Um, but yeah, so today we're going to be talking about Stan culture. Stan culture. Internet stan culture. Because both of us have, we, we both grew up on the internet in mm -hmm. that stan space, and that's definitely something we have in common. And so I feel like this is such a great topic to cover because it has evolved into such such a dominant subculture. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's like I know I know the BTS stands are called like the BTS army. Yeah. Like it truly is an army. Mm -hmm. Um. I mean, these, these fandoms are so powerful and sometimes yeah. scary, but, oh, yeah. but yeah, and it, it's totally evolved into something like that. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, we were the, I was thinking about this, we were the first generation that has fully grown up with social media. Yes. Because I remember Facebook was really popping, like, when I was nine, I yeah. think. That's like, mm -hmm. that was, it was in 2009, so it was a few years after it had come out and it was, like, starting to get to its peak. And... I mean, I don't, that's like when I started like using a computer. Yeah. So I, I really like haven't known a world without, a world the without like the internet and social media. Yeah. And oh my God, this is funny, like story about how I got involved into Facebook. So I wanted one so badly because my mom had one, my brother had one, um, just everybody that was older than me had one. And you know, you're supposed to be 13 mm -hmm. to, to have, to have a Facebook. Yeah. And I was nine, but I really wanted one. And I was asking my mom, I was like, please, 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 can I have a Facebook? And she was please. like, she was like, why the hell do you need Facebook? No, I just wanted to play Farmville, first of all. <laughs> 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 um, but I, I was told no. I don't know why she thought I would listen to her um, when she said no, because one thing about me is when... I'm, I'm determined. I'm a persistent, persistent little onion. For any of your Steven Universe fans out there. Yeah, if you know onion, onion, onion. <laughs> if you know onion, I am like the human embodiment of onion. Anyways, so, um, I decided I would take matters into my own hands and find a little loophole into, into getting on Facebook land, um, even though I was told not to. So, I 
made a, an account with my dog's name, my <laughs> chihuahua's name, Chino Chavis, and I put a profile picture of a random chihuahua that I found on the internet. Not even your chihuahua. No, not even my <laughs> chihuahua. Because I, I, I didn't have any pictures. I didn't have any pictures of my chihuahua. I was nine. And, <laughs> like, my iPod didn't have a camera back then. So I, um, yeah, so I made this, like, fake Facebook, and I was, but it was, like, me, but it was fake, but, so I was technically on there, but I wasn't. Because, I mean, in dog years, my dog was 13. So, but yeah, then one day my mom walked in my room and she was like, Wait, I... She was like, did you make, did you make a Facebook for Chino? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> so the only reason you did a dog Facebook was because your dog was 13, not because you weren't 13? Yeah. <laughs> it was like my way around it. Oh my god. Um, but yeah, she was, she was like, just, please stop being weird. Like, just, just, <laughs> just, 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 and then I did, I did, I had the Facebook. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> I mean, yeah. And you know what I was thinking about too was like, even like the websites we played on as kids, like Club Penguin and stuff like that, yeah. had a social aspect to it. Yeah. So like honestly, like, like I mean, literally, and this is like kind of the first thing I wanted to touch on was like our age group, which is really just kind of like the older Gen Zs and like the younger millennials, people mm -hmm. who are now like twenty somethings. We have like, and I mean, we are the first people to really grow up with the internet being like so significant in our lives from the time we were like born basically yeah. I mean like and so so many of us like that was a big part of our social and emotional development I mean some of us had Facebooks for our dogs or like you know and like <laughs> but a lot of us also that got us into like fan culture mm -hmm. from a young age you know like I know for me it was like tumblr which I talked about last episode I was very big into tumblr so big that I I had a star wars blog that got like around like 2,000 yeah. followers at one point because I was known as like I was a big Star Wars girl, and I was like the like Annie Dalla account. Annie Dalla was a ship for Anakin Skywalker and Padme Amidala. I was a big proponent of that. I like wrote fan fiction. I like promoted other fan fiction. I had like I had like anonymous asks coming in, like talking to me and stuff. And like I ran like I was part of like other like groups of fans, and I made a bunch of friends doing that too. Some of them. It was kind of weird because I was like 14 or whatever. I was, I was about to ask how old you were. Yeah, it was like late middle school, early high school when this was like my, my Tumblr fame era. Honestly, I've had a fame era on like a lot of social media because like my TikTok fame era was like 2020 summer and here's my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I had like friends who were like 17, 18, as old as like 25, which that's a whole other thing that like I don't know if that was like okay, but I mean obviously it was I mean, weird. probably not, but. No, but it, it was fun because I found such a community and for me like in middle school I really didn't have friends mm -hmm. I, I like transferred middle schools like twice and I had a really hard time making friends at that time because I don't know I just was like really socially anxious and stuff yeah. but like I had such a platform there and this is exactly what we talked about last time as well was people, those of us who were more socially isolated had the internet to have our own platform and to like have an audience and to have friends and have people listening to us so it became a really like important part of growing up and I have been in that culture like for a very long time. I'm not, I don't run fan accounts or anything anymore, but I'm still like, I still follow fan accounts and I'm still in it. And you know, so it's been like a really long time like being a part of that. Yeah. I totally hear what you're saying about um, using that as an outlet to meet other people that are into the same sort of thing yeah. that you are. Um, I, when in middle school, I was, I, okay, so <laughs> I've, been, I've done theater since I was like 10. So I, middle school was like the peak of my like theater, kid obsession era and and I went to a school that was very like sports centric and and I remember my principal at our school was was even like 
the arts, he literally said the arts are a waste of time because there's no career in the arts, which not true. Not true. Anybody who's listening, As I feel like anybody who's listening. Yeah, knows. we have a theater but, major and a <laughs> entertainment media studies and theater major, and, and trust me, and we will be employed. Trust and believe. I mean, there, there is a career in the arts for any you youngsters out there. There's a career in the arts. Don't listen. To Anyways, but yeah, I I only knew like. I don't know, like a handful of people maybe that went to my school that that I did theater with outside of school. So I really like didn't have anybody that I could relate to on in that aspect, in that respect. And and so I turned to like Instagram fan accounts and I followed a bunch and and I even made one <laughs> of my own. So in seventh grade, like the Lay Miz movie came out. I was obsessed. I saw it in theaters like five times. We're not gonna deep dive into that, um, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, sure. But <laughs> something about a thirteen-year-old being obsessed with this movie, where all these people are just miserable and die. To me. Yeah, but <laughs> but the music was just so pretty. That's what it was. Um, anyway, <laughs> anyway, so I. I yeah, the, 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 the girls were just so hot. <laughs> no, Eddie Redmayne. Anyways, no, no, no. Um, so I, I followed these Instagram accounts that like posted this theater content, and I was like, you know what? I want to do that. I want to make one of my own. So I, I made an account called so like Lay Mez. It's like L E S, and I was like Lay Theater Geek O two. That was my username, and so I would post. Um, I would get like submissions from people. They'd be like, can you please post about like this show, like post about Wicked, post about Phantom. And so I would like go on Google and like look for like production photos and then I would like put it all together like a pick stitch and I would post stitch. it. And I was getting some traction. I really was. And it was fun. I was meeting people. And then it all ended when I accidentally clicked the connect to Facebook button on Instagram and it, it, connected to my personal Facebook. And I mean, at this point, like I said- You like had your own Facebook at this point. Yes, <laughs> I had, it was, it was Jack Chavis, not Chino Chavis. But, it was, but I, um, I mean, I was living this like double life of like, I would go to school and be this like, straight boy wearing like, Under Armour. Vineyard Vines. Under Armour Vineyard Vines and like, a fighting necklace. No, <laughs> y'all know. And I remember, um, I remember all too well. And then I would come home and like, Watch like a compilation of like who did the Defying Gravity with the best. Like it was literally a double life. But then like I would have that account, and then and then Instagram exposed me, and then my my double life was ruined because everybody started following me. So I panic deleted it. You had your Troy Bolton moment where they were like, no, no, no. <laughs> very that, very that. But yeah, that's um, I used to used to be really really into leading an army of people That's so <laughs> via, via Instagram. Mm -hmm. I just realized that we didn't. <gasps> right, oh my god. Okay, so for the beverage of the day, we have Boba from Bubble Cafe in Athens, not, not sponsored. sponsored. If you want to sponsor me, you can sponsor me. What are you drinking? I am drinking a regular sized passion fruit green tea with mango poppers. Mm. Yeah. I am drinking a House milk tea with almond milk and boba. Keeping it simple. Oh, classic. All right. So I guess we're gonna pop them together. Yes. All right. Ready? Think of popping each other's boba. Okay. Five, Five six, six, seven, seven eight. eight. Woo! Mm. All right. Mmm. 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 The flavors are melting my tongue. <laughs> That's some good shit. <laughs> okay. All right. So like, like we were saying, I mean, obviously both of us have our like, we had our like, social media like fame. 
popularity eras. Or heydays. So true. Yeah. I'm still chewing on boba, so it's gonna make <laughs> me sick. But yeah, like I was saying, this is a huge part of how people our age, like our social and emotional development, happened. Mm -hmm. Um. And so now, as the internet has just grown exponentially, it's created its own subculture that has started to bleed into regular culture, whether it's like the slang or the lingo, or just like, you know, the way it works. And I think because people our age, like, our presence online is just as important and has just as much weight as our presence in the real world. Like, oh, yeah. internet subculture has become a big part of real culture. Well, I mean, think about just how... <laughs> I hate bringing this man up on your podcast, but I mean, think about how when Donald Trump was doing a rally mm -hmm. and then all these people on... these kids on TikTok just came together and, and reserved fake tickets. <laughs> like, tickets for, for something they obviously weren't trying to go to. And then I did it, too. I mean, I did. I think I did too. It, it worked. Mm -hmm. It worked because yeah. because the presence is so there, and then it's so much easier for us to rally together mm -hmm. because of social media. Yeah, I know it really brings people together. And I think I read some tweet that I think encapsulates this. It was something like it was along the lines of like I don't think human beings were ever really supposed to know that this many people in the world exist, <laughs> but like now we do. <laughs> you know what I mean? I totally know what you mean. Yeah. So and then obviously because like the internet has become such a big part of our lives like internet fandoms were bound to happen because like fans have always congregated and gathered and like you know fandoms have always been a thing like mm -hmm. for as, as long as like this type of fan culture existed you know there's been like fan clubs and like fan magazines but obviously now it's evolved into the internet but because like we're saying we have the technology that we can like connect with people like across the world very instantaneously intimately and like really form those relationships yeah. You know, now there's this very strong internet fan culture that's like mm -hmm. arisen because of that. Like for me, like I was saying, I have friends growing up who are like many different ages in other countries. Like I remember like, and it was weird that my parents were okay with this. Like I literally one time was like, hey, I'm getting on a Skype call with my, uh, some of my friends from like One Direction Tumblr. Like one of them's from New Zealand, one's from Australia. And they're like, oh, slay, love that for you. I, I also had a One Direction um, Tumblr and it was kind of popular. It was like not as popular as the Star Wars one, but <laughs> yeah, like, you know, I, I like had friends from other countries growing up and some of them I still keep in touch with. Like I have a really sweet friend from Venezuela that I still in touch with. Her name's um, Frances. Hey girl, for listening. Hope you're, hope you're doing well. Yeah. I have people that I, I still keep up with on social media. Mm -hmm. um, from back in my Instagram fan club mm -hmm. days, I, I met this girl who, um, we just started like messaging on kick and just like being friends and having fun and then mm -hmm. and then of course we like I don't really talk to her anymore right, right. Um, but but we still keep up on social media and Rachel if you're listening <laughs> congrats girl she just like she just like had this big dramatic like coming out post on Facebook congrats. and like I, I know and at the same time it was like this is my girlfriend of like two years oh. and I'm so excited to publicly share and then they come they got engaged at Disney World. Congrats, so, Rachel! Yeah, right? But, but I was so excited! Chronically online, congratulations. <laughs> I, I have never met this person mm -hmm. in real life, but still I felt like I had such a such a real and intimate friendship with her. Yeah. And, and I was so excited for her when I saw that, even yeah. though years later. And that's literally just because the only thing that we had in common was the fact that we liked theater and didn't really have any other outlet to express that in yeah. our in our everyday lives. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But yeah, you're talking about kick. And I remember you're talking about how like lots of people had negative experiences. Lots of people had negative experiences. I remember with kick. I had one. Wait, you go first, because I had one did too. You? I oh, did you? Yeah. I did. I have I have 
fine. Oh, I mean, it wasn't like anything like super bad. I know people had like really like bad experiences on kick. I know for me personally, it was just me being like exposed to my crush in sixth grade by like this girl who was bullying me in middle school. Oh my God. Like I was talking about how much I liked him in some like group chat, and then she added him to the group chat, and like he could see all the previous oh. messages. So, anyways, that was a <laughs> still a fresh moment. <laughs> it was like a little dramatic, but it's okay. <laughs> yeah, there. But yeah. Oh god. <laughs> and now I feel like you can find any sort of niche. You can. Thing. I mean, I mean, Reddit exists, and you're the Redditor. I'm here. a Reddit bitch. I, I will do the Reddit thing. Oh, I, I <laughs> will come clean. I am a Reddit bitch. Um, so I. I'm a part of a lot of subreddits. Um, pretty much, pretty much anything that I'm like really into, I know that like me crossing the line of like just like liking it and being really into it is if I like follow the <laughs> subscribe to the subreddit. <laughs> so, so I'm like on I'm on Drag Race and I check Drag Race like frequently. Like I, I read that every day like before bed. That's like my light reading before I go to sleep. It's like Drag like, Race. Paper, like, yes. My no, media. literally, I'm like and and. I mean, there's, we're about to watch a new episode, and then, like, tonight, before I go to bed, I promise you, I will be looking at the, at the thread that's, like, post-episode discussion. Yeah. But, yeah, I have, like, Drag Race, I'm in one Swifty. called... I'm in one for Taylor Swift, I'm in one for Dua Lipa, um, I'm in one just called Pop Heads, that's just, like, pop girls in general. Mm -hmm. Um, and fun fact, they actually don't really like Taylor Swift there. What? Anyways. She's, she is my pop girl. I, she I, is my pop girl. Yeah, she's, she's one of mine, of course, mm -hmm. and... And it's interesting because on these reddits, these subreddits, um, I guess they're called, there, there's like such a hive mind yeah. um, on different, depending on the subreddits that you're on, because like I can go on the Taylor Swift subreddit and of course it's like everybody's singing her praise and she can do no wrong, and then I go on like the Popheads subreddit and people are not into her. The girls are fighting. Um, the girls are, <laughs> the girls are fighting. And, and it's so interesting, it's so interesting, um, but yeah, there's just... Yeah. A huge presence of, of fans for literally anything mm -hmm. on Reddit, yeah. especially. Yeah, and I mean, honestly, like, on any social media, because I've been in so many fandoms, like, I've been in, like, obviously, like, Star Wars in One Direction, obviously, like, not that I'm necessarily involved in fandom spaces right now, but I am still, like, a huge Harry Styles fan, which I'm sure you all <laughs> know that already, <laughs> make it a personality trait of mine, um, and, like, I had a big Yuri on Ice phase, which is, like, this anime that I was obsessed with for a while, oh, yeah, all kinds of other stuff. <laughs> Yeah, but obviously, like we were saying, like you're talking about the girls fighting, you know, uh, the girls are fighting. Um, there is uh, obviously a big, I think, stereotype and like a big quintessential factor of these fandoms is the drama and the fighting, whether it's like infighting or it's like them fighting with each other. Like, <clears throat> like for example, like within the Harry and like the One Direction fandom, there's a lot of fighting over, 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 <laughs> over, um, and this is, I would love to do an episode really deep diving on this, but the ship of Larry Stylinson, oh which God. is shipping Harry Styles and Louis Tomlinson. Because oh here's my thing. Do I maybe sort of think that it could have happened like in the early days of One Direction? Perhaps. God, I hope. Oh I know. God. I mean, but at the same time, I was so anti. I've always been very anti-Larry, not because I'm like necessarily denying if it happened or not, but because the fans who like shipped it were so horrible yeah. and they would like attack any of Harry or Louis' like girlfriends <laughs> or anything and they would just kind of like, no matter how many times any of them denied it, they would just be like, no, they're just saying that, and it was just, it got really yeah. dramatic, but it, it very strictly divided the One Direction fandom, and still, like, the Harry Styles fandom. I will say m the majority of Harry fans now have, like, moved on from that, but there's still, like, a little niche pocket of, like, people who stand both of them. Um, but that's another one, and again, I would 
love to do a deep dive. If anyone was really involved in One Direction, you know, when that was big, and they'd like to come on the pod and talk about Larry, hit me up. Especially if it's a Larry, it'd be fun. like a Larry, as in like L-A-R-R-I-E, if you want to debate, I'd be down. I I can't join you on that episode because I, I wasn't super immersed into mm -hmm. One Direction culture, but I do remember Larry Silence and being a thing. Yeah. And and we'll I mean, more, yeah, looking so Oh my god, there is. I know. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, didn't they like not have like they didn't clear? Oh, that Louis got oh, so, Louis publicly like was like denounced it. Yeah, he was like, we didn't do that. Yeah, it's kind of fucked up. But anyways, anyways um, I I God, like looking back, I'm like that. Yeah, for them. People, I did not know that it was as extreme as it was yeah. for people to go after mm -hmm. their girlfriends. I think that's wrong. And their families. It was I, really I will bad. say, little 13 year old Jack heard that that was a thing, <laughs> and I was praying that it was the truth. Praying. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm going to say some of the evidence from like the beginning of One Direction <laughs> is convincing, but it's like all the stuff people try to use now, like, I mean, not now, but like the stuff that they used in like the last like four years of One Direction. I'm like, really? You're just making stuff up at this point. I mean, they look at each other once, they're like, Larry's real! And then they just got, but that's because of, but because of all the fan infighting and the fan stuff, Louie and Harry, by the time they got to their like second or so like year of being in the band, they were like besties, maybe a little bit more, but they did not interact with each other ever. Like, in so, public. That's so sad. And so, like, they literally would not even look at each other, wouldn't talk to each other. In, like, group interviews, group concerts, they, like, couldn't interact with each other because they were like, if we do anything together, people are going to spin it to be, like... Take that and run with it. Yeah. So it was, like, it got really bad because the, that's, that's how really awful. much the drama affected, like, the real, like, people. Yeah. That reminds me a lot of um, the drama with Drag Race. Mm -hmm. There's... in Within the fandom... There's, yes, the fandom of Drag Race, but then within that, there's also the little pockets of being fans of specific queens. Yeah. And so, I mean, a lot of times, there's there's huge drama within the fandoms when, like, one queen sends another queen home, mm -hmm. when she's literally just, it's the nature of the game, someone's yeah. gonna go home. Like what happened on, like, EK versus... Yeah, with EK versus, versus the world, especially, um, Pangina was receiving death threats for... For, for, sending for sending Lemon home, and she was literally just playing the game, just playing the game. And also, it's a, it's a reality TV show, y'all. Please go outside. Please go outside and touch. Hey, yeah, listen Please to the. Go outside. As we said in episode one, go outside. If you are if you are telling someone that they should die because they had a lipstick in their titty <laughs> that had the name of a queen, a drag queen that you like, like girl, go touch grass. <laughs> Anyways, but yeah, it's it's um. There's a lot of fighting within that, and then. And then, that's not something that the queens can necessarily control, but I'm sure it puts a strain on the friendships of these girls when, like, when one queen is just minding her business and then the fans of another girl are coming at her, sure, that probably, like, that probably puts a strain. Because, yeah. And then I think there is a responsibility of the queen that... the celeb if, if someone's fans are going after someone else, I think it is the celebrity's responsibility to... To denounce that, or else mm -hmm. they are complicit yeah. to that behavior. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, and then of course, there's. I feel like there's like a lot of other fandoms that are stereotypical for that sort of thing. Like there's mm -hmm. like people talk about the Barb's doxing people all the time. I'm not in that fandom. Not that I don't love Nikki, but I'm not in that fandom. But like I know someone's like, oh my god, <laughs> calling all Barb's, <laughs> or like a lot of the K-pop fandoms. I think are really like also not, you know like how they would like flood things with fan cams and like. Yeah. There's a lot of like inner, there's a lot of fighting between different K-pop fans. I'm like in like kind of a B, like a BTS stan. I'm definitely like, I love, I listen to all their music. I'm not like 
hardcore in the fandom because there's just like way too much like BTS lore that I just like don't have the time to get into. It's okay if you are. You can be vulnerable with us. I know. So. And we're gonna, I'm gonna. That's something I did want to talk about a little bit later. But you know, I but I do like follow a lot of accounts and stuff. And there's like within that fandom, it's not really that dramatic. But there is a lot of fighting between other K-pop group fandoms. Um, yeah. So I mean, like, those are just. I just snorted. <laughs> I'm gonna cut that. Oh Jesus. Okay, cut that. Cut that. Pick I hope that stays in. No. Okay, pick up. Um. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of just, like, infighting, but also, like, inner fandom fighting, especially when it comes to those award shows where you, like, vote and stuff, or the Grammys, I feel like, is with, like, oh pop girls, God. there's so much. The Grammys are much. ridiculous. And We've gotten into arguments before about the Grammys. Because <laughs> I got mad when Dua Lipa won pop album, because obviously I thought Harry should have won, because I'm, Harry's my number one. And I... Harry's my number one pop girl, of course. And I am... This is a hill I will die on. I think that Future Nostalgia deserved every last thing it got and could have gotten more. And, and to be fair, I hadn't really gotten into the album yet. And obviously now I recognize that it is a very, very well done pop album. But obviously I still think that yeah. my line was the lead. Um, anyways. That, but, that's a different episode. Right, I, know, can, I feel like that'd be a good one. <laughs> we should have like, like, a, like a Pop Girl Smackdown. Like, I was thinking about doing a Pop Girl episode, but yeah, Pop Girl Oh my Smackdown. god, like, you know like... What do they do with like Model UN? They do like a like, like a, a like a formal tattoo. <laughs> they like, do like they, they have all the conference where like everyone's like representing a country. Oh, yeah, they do we, like all represent a pop girl. And then we just show up and we have to like state our case for why this pop girl is like the supreme pop bitch. We can of the get world. like we can get like a, like some sort of boss want to judge it or something. <laughs> Oh my god, that... Wait, actually, actually, that's so Bookmark fun. that one. Yeah, we're gonna put it in that one. We're gonna come back to that one. Something that really interests me is how much, like, the internet has impacted how marketing works for music, mm. and, like, how, like, celebrities have really reformatted how they, like, roll stuff out. Because, you know, I think a big thing with pop music culture is, like, eras. And, like, it's this album era. Like, with Harry, it's, like... The HS1 era, the Fine Line era, now people are expecting like his third album, like the HS3 era or whatever, you know, it's like, there is, the, this, I mean, I think there's always been a thing of like the album eras, but I feel yeah. like even now with the internet, they've like found new ways to utilize that fandom culture to like do that. Like, for example, I feel like a lot of fans, I don't remember, I, to be honest, I'm not exactly sure where this started, but a lot of fandoms are really into like conspiracies and because like kind of like, obviously the example I was going to bring up was Taylor. Of course, of course. Because she, basically a lot of those fans, like, started forming these conspiracies about her albums. Like, you know, they were thinking, like, oh, these little things mean she's going to drop this, this, that, and the other thing. <laughs> and so eventually, she started using that to her advantage. And now she plants Easter eggs throughout, like, her social media and, like, other stuff she releases. And, like, so she creates, plants Easter eggs and creates these things on purpose to get her fans talking about stuff that's going to be coming out soon as, like, a marketing strategy. Even if it's things that, like, don't mean anything. Yeah. She just, she just does it on purpose because mm -hmm. she knows it's going to get something trending on Twitter. Yeah. Like, get, you know, just get people talking on Reddit, people talking on Instagram, people posting things. Mm -hmm. She just, she knows that it's going to work because it's something that's so... I mean, everybody speculates when there aren't even any Easter eggs. Yeah. And so just giving, adding some, like, a little bit of fuel to the fire mm -hmm. is so smart. Yeah. So smart. Yeah, like, and, and you know, she'll, uh, she'll do things to throw people off. Because I remember, and I remember being on Tumblr because I, like, was also, like, 
not like I had like a big blog or anything, but I was within the Taylor Swift sphere on Tumblr during like the 1989 rollout and like that whole era, you know, again with the eras. Um, and she would also like interact with fans a lot. And like, if there was something a fan would say, that's like, you know, kind of cons thinking about a certain thing that's coming out, she would maybe like interact with it and be like, Oh my God, guys, Taylor liked my thing. Or like, yeah, but, and then now, now she's just straight up just rolled out, like, hey guys, can you decipher what this means? Like, yeah. she looked for, like, vault trust <laughs> And now, like, the one that I remember most recently is, like, she was having some, selling some merch on her website. <coughs> Excuse me. She was selling some merch on her website, and, like, the price was 2010, like, mm. like 2010, yes. which is the year that Speak Now came out. Yeah. And the price was, like, in purple or something. Yeah. So, like, people are speculating Speak Now Taylor's version's coming out soon. She also, um, I think it was the, the red signed physical CD, I think it was priced at $19.89. Yeah. And so just things like that. It's like, we don't know if that's like, she's trying to throw people or off. She's just, she, I, I feel like sometimes she's just doing it because Trust she me. knows that we're gonna freak out about it. She's literally just twisting her tits, like, <laughs> just for fun. Just yeah. for, she like sits back. I swear, she has to be like on Reddit or something. So she's somewhere like, under, she, well, it's she's called, somewhere it's under called, a pseudonym. It's called Tay Lurkin, because she used to do this on Tumblr. Tay Lurkin? No! No, this I is like such a thing, because this is how she picked the fans to go to like <laughs> For those of y'all who don't know, she, every one of her tours, she has this thing where it's like after the show, like, or during the show, her team picks like fans to come meet her after the show and they like hang out with her. Mm -hmm. um, but that's how a lot of the ways she finds those fans she wants to invite backstage is Tay Lurkin. Like, she like stalks their social media mm -hmm. and like wow. follows them and stuff. But yeah, like, that's totally a thing she does. Wow. She absolutely, like, it's totally, she absolutely does that. So who knows, maybe she's seen my, seen my maybe comments. She has. <laughs> <I don't know>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or like, another one that, this is my favorite one, was for Harry Styles' Adore You music video. I don't know how many of y'all are like, really hardcore Harry fans, but, so I remember it was like, two years ago, I was a freshman in college. Obviously his first single had just come out for the Fine Line era, which was Lights Up. And, um, <clears throat> so... There was a, a subreddit for, you know, speaking of Reddit, there was a subreddit for this place. It was called Eroda. And people were like, hey, I found this island that just, like, I'm getting ads for this, like, island that just doesn't exist. And there was this huge Twitter thread on it of someone who was just like, I'm getting ads for this place. I'm getting so many ads for this place, but I'm looking it up and, like, it doesn't exist. And people were like, what is going on? So, like, a huge community on Twitter and, like, Reddit started to, like, figure out what this was. <clears throat> so, obviously, people were concluding it's probably some sort of, like, a campaign for something and they were looking at all these different clues and stuff and then eventually people saw that it's like you're getting on Facebook people were getting ads for it and it was like something that was saying like you know you click on like why am I getting this ad or whatever and it was like it's because you've shown interest in Harry Styles and people were like wait a minute oh Harry Styles God. so they connected it to Harry Styles and then just everyone was starting to realize like okay so it's because I'm into Harry Styles so what could this mean and um, before that, Harry had released, I don't know if this happened like before or after, but he released like a screenshot of like the track list for his new album, but all of the like, the letters were replaced with asterisks. So like we knew like how many characters were in each word for each track, but like not what the titles were. It was this whole thing. And so then people who were already speculating there was going to be a song called Adore You because it made sense for track three. And so then people were like, Eroda, that's Adore spelled backwards and so people kind of were like okay this is harry and then posters were going up for something that for adore you and it was like you know those like it's like stained glass windows and like 
Catholic churches where it's like the Virgin Mary like this and it's like an ark. It was that, but it was like Harry with a fish jumping over him and it's at the door you. And those started going up everywhere. So then people were like, oh, and then finally it came out that like, yes, this is a marketing for Harry's video, which was a seven minute long like short film with a music video within that took place on this island called Eroda. And it was a really cool That's pillow. brilliant. No, it was brilliant. Oh my God, that's so interesting. I've never seen any sort of marketing strategy like that. I actually I actually had no idea that that even happened. Yeah. That is so interesting. What a great way to engage people that normally wouldn't go out of their way to find information about like Harry Styles. Mm -hmm. Like those those people that were making whole like Twitter investigation yeah. accounts mm -hmm. to find out what the hell Erota was. I mean, maybe like a quarter of them were probably like avid listeners of Harry Styles. Yeah, but, a lot of them in the beginning were not Harry fans. It right, was just I mean, that's what I'm Twitter. assuming. Like, yeah. And, and just the reach was probably so much bigger than like if it was marketed strictly as like a Harry, a Harry Styles. Styles song. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, it totally so pulled people in that's from like so all over the internet. Like, cause some people were like, oh, I think maybe it's for like an RPG or for like a video game. Like it's some sort wow. of like, so people had all kinds of theories on Cause people, a lot of people were like, okay, I think this is advertising something since it's not real. But yeah, the fact that it brought in so many people who were not into Harry, it was genius. I, and it was yeah, so much fun so when it happened and people were talking about it. I remember seeing it on Twitter before people connected it to Harry Styles because it got so big. People were like, what is going on? And I was like, that's weird. And then eventually people started connecting to Harry and I was like, oh, great. I'm like already a Harry fan, but it was really <laughs> cool. But yeah, I don't know. I think that was, that's just something that's, I find very interesting how people are able to have evolved and adapted their like marketing to like fit that social media culture. Yeah conspiracies and like really use it to their advantage mm -hmm. and also going back to taylor i feel like her planning all these easter eggs that are that are sometimes legit sometimes just duds that she's just messing with us yeah with. um it it makes the times where she just randomly drops things like folklore yeah it, it, it makes that hold so much more weight mm -hmm. because everyone expects like oh if there's something coming out we would know we would right. get some clues at the same time though i think that like that like internet student culture it kind of has altered the way people do like consume things as well i think because like there's this expectation if because of the way the internet student culture works so like if you're into something like an artist or like a fandom or whatever it's kind of like an all or nothing type of mentality mm -hmm. it's like there's this whole idea of like people on twitter where it's like either the thing you stand or the thing you're into is like your entire life or like you're not a real fan and not necessarily that's like all the time but there's this distinct this distinction between fans where it's like locals versus like actual real stands mm -hmm. were in it and i used to kind of subscribe to that when i was really involved in like the fandoms for like harry styles and stuff but now i meet people who like they know just as much as I do, and they're just as into it as I am, but, like, maybe they don't have, like, a stan account, but they follow all the stan accounts. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's like that, that trend that was going around on, like, Vine years ago. Like, oh, you like, you like this person will name the eighth song on her third album. Yeah. Yeah, fake fan. Like, mm -hmm. it's that. It's like if you don't have an encyclopedic knowledge. It's like, it's like there's, there's, like, a test that you have to pass in order to be considered like a true fan of something even yeah. if you are interested in mm -hmm. it if you if you don't have this extensive knowledge yeah. then then whatever feelings that you have about it can just be completely like yeah invalidated yeah or i saw this post the other day that was like i'm gonna pull it up real quick it was just give me a second i'm gonna pull this up because this is like i posted it on my um my instagram i was just talking to somebody about this a little bit ago 
so it's like this Twitter or Twitter, what's wrong with me? It's this. Um, <laughs> it's on Instagram. I reposted it on my story. It says you might be wearing Harry Styles merch on campus like I am, but I'm wearing it in a far deeper and more intellectual way than you ever will. Like there's this whole like superiority complex I think between like hardcore fans and like casual enjoyers. You know. We literally did that at the beginning of this episode when I brought up Enchanted. Oh, really? Oh, my God. Oh, we knew it before it blew up on TikTok. It's like it's this competition to, like, prove that you are a true fan. Yeah. Which, mm -hmm. which... And there's, I don't think there's really, like, such a thing. I mean, even though I totally do it, because I always feel like I am the Harry Styles stan ever. Like, I'm like, <laughs> I, I love him more than anyone else ever could. <laughs> but, like, that's not true. But I, I feel, it makes me feel better about myself. And I think that's kind of why yeah. people do that, is because it just makes you feel, like, elite. Like... It's like you get, maybe the, the, the person you're standing will just love you more because you're like a real fan. Maybe it's a way that we are like rationalizing this like idolatry that we are, mm -hmm. <laughs> that we are committing to <laughs> in a crazy manner. Maybe that's our way of like, of, of validating that. We're like, yeah. okay, well we're, um, at least we're the best. Mm -hmm. At least we're like the biggest fans. Yeah. Like it's not just us being the crazy. The Lord said don't us. worship false it's, idols, but... Not one of my idols has been false. Or also another thing that um, that's kind of related with this, like I feel like fandom culture takes things to such an I think fandom culture takes things to such an extreme. Is like <laughs> when it comes to like the fandoms for things that are like some sort of work of fiction. It's this whole idea of like the characters are either perfect and can do no wrong, or they're like fully problematic. Like, a character that has any sort of flaws, uh, yeah. like, you can't enjoy them unless either they have no flaws or you can, like, justify or defend their actions. Like, for example, I remember a big thing, before the Star Wars fandom, like, fell apart, I don't really know how they're doing, I'm not involved in that, like, fandom anymore. I mean, I still consume the content, but I'm not really involved as a fan as much. Like, there was so much discourse over Kylo Ren Ben Solo, and so the people who really stand him, they did everything they could to justify why he was like so bad. Cause he was supposed to be, he's a villain. I mean, he has an arc that like he becomes good, but that I thought it was very badly written, but that's a whole other conversation. Um, and they were like, oh, well like his parents neglected him. And they, his parents are Han Solo and Princess Leia, by the way. Um, they neglected him and they sent him away to train with Luke Skywalker and they just didn't really love him. And then he got, he was manipulated into being bad. And it was sort of one of those things where it's like, they can't enjoy him unless it's like, oh no, he's actually not bad on his own. It's not his fault. It's other people's fault that he's bad. Whereas for me, I was like, I, uh, for the first two films of the, like, the new trilogy, I was like, I really like the way he's written. He's a terrible person and he's, it's all his own fault, but he's written really well. So I enjoy him as a character. But that was such a big issue. And I remember being in other fandoms, like after the last airbender and stuff like that, where people were like, there was like this call out culture of like, oh, if you stand so-and-so, you shouldn't do that because XYZ. It was like, I'm not perfect, so you can't enjoy or like this character. I kind of, well, I kind of understand it though, because I can understand how it might feel or it might come across to be like, I love this character who literally has no redeeming qualities. Well, like, yeah, I no, love I this, like, terrible character, yeah. but, like, I feel like in order for someone to be, like, proud of liking that character, they have to humanize them and make it to where it's... What they're doing isn't as bad. Yeah, and I'm not so saying, like, yeah. it doesn't, like, yeah. reflect on their own, but, like, whatever, it's a fiction. No, yeah, and I'm not saying... And 
I, I hear you because I, I, I do agree with you. I'm not saying like I like this character to the point where like I identify with them and I love them so much, but it's yeah. more like I appreciate this character her, 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 as her. a character. Do you know what I'm saying? It's not. Well, yeah, I got you. You know, it's, it's like. Or it's maybe a character who did some stuff that was wrong, but then did, re but like did redeem themselves. Some people still are like, you can't like this character, even though they like, they were forgiven by their peers. It's getting very Loki like, in the Marvel movie. Yeah. I don't know. I've never seen a Marvel movie in my life, but I know, <laughs> I know that that's like a thing that happened. He was like bad, now he's good, and now he like fights with them. I don't know. I'm on Twitter enough to where I can like mm -hmm. kind of fill in the. It's like the bitches the who watch Euphoria, or not who watch. It's like the bitches who don't watch Euphoria, but like they're like like my roommate Ansley. Hey Ansley. She was came in one time, but she was we were all like here in my house, and she was like, I've never seen Euphoria, but I can tell you exactly what happens, even though like I've never actually seen it. Okay. No, she can't. <laughs> she, she was like walking us through what what her perception of this season was. Like, who did she say? Somebody was like. She said Nate Jacobs was gay. She was like Nate. Well, I mean, <laughs> eh, not completely wrong. Said somebody was like related to somebody else. I don't even remember. But it was. I don't remember either. Anyways, it was just something. You were wrong. wrong. But like you were wrong. <laughs> but it's funny. But like in your mind, it was such a real storyline. You know what I mean? Because that's just the story that you were putting together. I feel like that's so much. Uh, that would. That would also be a fun way to consume Euphoria. I was like only just piecing it together oh, on Twitter. I mean, I mean, there's enough content on Twitter. It's mm -hmm. literally like the PSAT. No, literally. Oh my god, I literally have that in here somewhere. We're gonna get to that. But I was just gonna quickly no touch on like I think the most like extreme example of this culture of like you can only like this character if you can redeem them was the Onceler fandom. If any of y'all have seen the Lorax. Yes, if any of y'all have seen the animated Lorax movie <laughs> that came out a few years ago. <laughs> entire fandom dedicated not to the Lorax but to the Onceler, like the villain because in that movie they give him a backstory and they like justify why he became what he became and I'm not gonna get into the nitty-gritty because there's a fantastic video essay by Sarah Z on or Sarah Z if you're from America because she's Canadian on YouTube and it's there's a fantastic video essay on the, the, the full history of this fandom but shout out to Sarah um basically it got to this point where people just had such a crush on this kid. Let's keep going, It says, it's just the one I just, I just googled Onceler Lorax because I had not heard the word Onceler since I saw the Lorax in theaters when I was like 12. But I just, I just googled it. And, and, and the first image was the Onceler standing like this in front of a trans flag. And it is, the tweet just says, the Onesler from the Lorax is trans! <laughs> oh my god. How about I can I be? I did love his song. <laughs> Ooh, well, maybe I should join this band. <laughs> no, it's kind of dead now, but I'm trying to like to, to sum it up in the best way that I can. Basically, people just like, they had crushes on the character. It's one of those like soft boy, like skinny, emo, like emotional, sensitive boy character types. People just all had this crush on him, and so they were like, okay, we're gonna justify him. And the way they justified him was splitting him into two identities, which was like kind of like pre-becoming evil and post-becoming evil. It was the Onceler and the Greedler. The Onceler was who he was before he became bad, and the Greedler was who he was when he became oh, bad. Oh, so it's two characters. And one. then, so, so then, they started to ship the Onceler and the Greedler together. And then... And it's like the same person, right? But... Yes! Oh my god, y'all. Touch grass, please. <laughs> begging. So then because, and then because of that, they they would like, people started to create their own one slur sonas. I don't know if that's what they called them, but people would create their own. <laughs> I 
Okay, actually, so so to create the one source artist, it was because people created ask blogs. Like, if any of you were on Tumblr, people would create like ask blogs <laughs> for fictional characters where they would like role play that fictional character and like people would send anonymous asks and they would answer as that fictional character. So people created like one star and Breedler ask blogs and then started creating other variations of the one slur to create these ask blogs so basically their own one slur sodas and then and then people would like ship the one slur sodas together i relate to this though because i feel like i have i have like a there's straight jack when i was in the closet the straightler if you will the hetler hetler there's the hetler and then there's like the Fagler, and that's now. So, what am anybody trying to ship those? One's dead. I do. I do. No, no. I'm not. And they they call the ship one says. Can I, can I say Fagler? Yes. Okay. <laughs> and then so they said they, they called the ship one. That when that when it was just the one on the green though, they called it one says. So it'd be Jack says. <laughs> okay. I ship Jack says. Okay, this is off topic as hell, but I feel like it's a, it's a question that I just. I need to ask someone else. Okay. Do you find, this is for y'all too, this is for y'all too, this is, go on social media to answer this question. At Chronically Online Pod. At Chronically Online Pod. Or at Chron Online Pod on Twitter. Do you find cartoon characters attractive? Yes! Me too! Yes! Oh my god, they're, okay, Who okay, it? hold on, hold on, hold on. Who does it? But, is it only the human cartoon characters, or do you find, like, Lightning McQueen. I was gonna say Lightning McQueen. <laughs> I, had, I, like, I thought Lightning McQueen and Sally were hot when I was a kid. Lightning McQueen is sexy and I don't care if he's an automobile. But <laughs> 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 like, do y'all get what I'm saying? Do y'all get what I'm saying? No, and, like, and they know what they're doing! It's like, it's like the animal characters are sexy! It's oh my like, god. Grown Simba? Grown Simba and the lion? So like, and Nala? Oh my god, we're gonna get cancelled for bestiality. <laughs> Jesus Christ. No, I know all of you sick fucks agree with me. But I know we are not this, the only ones, and that's why go on the social media and, and validate us and tell us we're not crazy. Tell us that you agree. I don't know if those settings on this, but they're probably fine. I'm just checking. Anyways, but no, literally, like, I, I like to say that my, my bisexual awakening was. Are you gonna, if you say Sally from no, Mars. No, no. <laughs> I mean, like, Van <laughs> Vanessa from Phineas and Ferb. Oh! Oh my god, she's hot as fuck. She was such an awakening Oh for my me. god. Um, You're gonna be busted. Oh my god, I think I there was a reason I was obsessed with that episode. I didn't really know what it was, but it was the two pretty girls singing together. I was about to say, it honey, honey I can tell you exactly <laughs> It did something for me. <laughs> Oh, oh my god. god. Get the fuck out of my- Get up, get up, get up, get up! Okay. Oh. Well, glad that that has been cleared. Thank you for- thank you for validating, for validating. my- on Lady McQueen. Um, <laughs> the wedding is soon. <laughs> I feel like there was like an episode of like a TLC show that was like- He wants to f*** his car? I mean, he wants to f*** his car and he was like- I was on- my car, there's nothing you can do about it. That's me with Lightning McQueen. <laughs> oh my god, I swear. <laughs> what you gonna cancel me for there? Oh, okay, for me, oh, saying, for, me, for me saying that a lion is cute, sure. Add that to the cancel like, tally. 
Oh, a car. Let me make sure I have the cancel tally. So per the last episode, I think we're just gonna keep this going in every episode as a cancel tally. I don't know what we're at. I feel like that's probably the first real one. I feel like we haven't had super cancelable content. I would say that that puts you at one cancel. <laughs> um. And it's worth it. <laughs> it's worth it. It's worth it. But then, okay, back to what else? Back to to get back on track. All right. Back to this whole idea of these like the you know dichotomy of fan culture. There's also this culture, and this is something that drives me bonkers because I used to subscribe to it, but now I realize how flawed it is. Was how people, celebrities are either 100% perfect, can do no wrong, or they're problematic. And like not to be like condemn or whatever cancel culture, but it's important to look at cancel culture critically um, and like with nuance. Because I think people look at celebrities and expect them to be like the moral pedestal and to like uphold the moral standards. Because like, they have that platform. Exactly. Yeah. And with the internet, they are, they're under so much more scrutiny now. So like when they do mess up and they do something bad, it's like, you know, because, and they do something human, even if it's not like that bad, if it's like Ariana yeah. Grande licking a donut or something, you know, it's like, because they have the responsibility, <laughs> now they've like lost their pedestal. And not to say Ariana has it, because she definitely has it, she's still doing fine. Right. But there was this whole thing, I remember, it was like, you know, summer 2020, like on TikTok, and, and it's been since then, there's this whole idea of like, these are the only straight white men, or the straight men, that I think deserve to like stand to live and like they're not when we do kill all men 2020 these are the ones who are going to live and it's like curtis connor john mulaney harry styles andy samberg paul rudd like those kind of guys obviously john mulaney now not as much because he's had some scandal again i don't really care because i'm consuming him as a content creator and an artist and not as like a human being That's because i went and saw his tour i still think he's i was like i'm gonna go see him because i think he's hilarious and he's a very great entertainer at what point do we separate the art from the artist? Absolutely. And and that's a that's a whole conversation. That's a whole episode in itself. I know, and that's like but such a that's really challenging. I think it's because, hard because it's like if a person has done some genuinely horrible things, of course I don't want to support their art and like, sure. get the money. But if it's like John Mulaney got divorced and then he like started dating Olivia Munn and now they have a kid, it's like okay, that's his life. He's still a very talented stand-up comedian. I'm still gonna go see him mm -hmm. on tour because I bought the tickets and I want to see him. Because that's the thing, like these celebrities. I feel like a lot of times we forget that they are human beings as well, mm -hmm. and just like any of us, they fuck up sometimes. And I'm not talking about like being like homophobic, transphobic, racist. That right. that's not no. That's not what I'm talking about. Yeah. That is inexcusable. But mm -hmm. I'm, t I'm you know I'm just talking about like little things like yeah. that are Ariana licking a donut. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Like um, yeah. people are canceling Dua for a second for. Well, Dua was traveling during the coronavirus, yeah. but she was like by herself on like islands. Anyways, I'm not. Yeah. I'm gonna cancel for for defending her. But I, I'm just saying something like that. I'm like I don't know if that's like worth me like never supporting her again, even if it is like something that I don't find as like good behavior per mm -hmm. se. I'm like, is that worth? completely like deplatforming her i don't think so yeah mm -hmm. but yeah it's this whole like idea of like celebrities are just now expected to be like the moral to uphold the moral standards of society yeah and i don't know i think it's such a mess and like but then yeah it's like people are like we were saying like this is literally exactly what we just said it's like people are like made wrong for like enjoying celebrities who maybe aren't perfect but just enjoying their like their content, the content. and their art not like, again, not like racist, transphobic, homophobic, anything like bigoted, like in those kinds of ways, but people who just like maybe aren't always perfect. 
And then also like expecting these celebrities to be perfect and like setting this expectation of people like Curtis Connor and Harry Styles to be like the perfect straight white man when like they're not <laughs> at all. They're human beings. Um, yeah, also just expecting them to literally explain themselves for everything they yeah. do. Like mm -hmm. that has to be exhausting. Yeah. Like you just you just have to like no matter what it is, like they have to answer for something. Yeah. And mm -hmm. that's that has to be exhausting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So then also another thing that is very fascinating about today's fandom culture is how fans are they're like driving and influencing the media they're consuming more than I think they ever have. I think like you know, like we were saying how celebrities have now like tailored their marketing and album rollouts and stuff. Yeah. Because of this like conspiracy like, to to com to go with along with this like conspiracy, like Easter eggy type yeah. culture. And also it's like at the same time people are trying I, I think when it comes to like like movie franchises, for example, this is one example I want to get into is like they're trying to tailor stuff more to like what the fans want as opposed to like what the what? creators believe is mm -hmm. right for the story. For example, with Star Wars, the sequel trilogy was I personally believe a mess, and y'all can come debate me if you want to, because the first one was like a little bit fan service but it was fun, and there was a lot of setup for potential outcomes. The second one, Ryan Johnson's vision was very much trying to subvert all of those expectations. I can appreciate the risk, but I, I personally did not enjoy it, and I can do a whole critique on that, but I'm not going to get into that. But they did, like, basically... Then, because there was so much controversy over that one, the final film, which the first one and the last one were directed and written by J.J. Abrams, um, they literally just, it, the whole film, the whole last one felt like damage control, where they were just trying to, like, fix things that people didn't like, and fully just, like, rewrite and, like, overwrite these plot lines that have now been opened mm -hmm. up by Ryan Johnson, because there was so much conspiracy. And so then it just became, like, this whole trilogy, the artistic vision was all over the place, and it just did not have a satisfying conclusion. All of these great setups for character arcs were just like scrapped and thrown out the window, and it was a mess because the, the whole idea was they were trying to like, uh, because it was Disney and Star Wars, they wanted to get as much income as they could so, and like as much profits. So they wanted to appeal to like get it, give it mass appeal as opposed to like sitting down and deciding on like a through line for the whole trilogy before making it, and that was like, that was a mess. Yeah. That's that's really interesting thinking about like how um, they're so willing to sacrifice artistic integrity for the sake of like their commercial success. Because yeah. you know if if they <laughs> if the fandom bullies them and they listen to the fandom, then the fandom will yeah. be more willing to consume their media. Mm -hmm. um, and there's a lot of examples of that. Yeah. Like, I mean, not not saying that the fandom was bullying Taylor for this, but, um, I mean, the whole reason why she released Wildest Dreams, Taylor's version, was because it was, like, trending and blowing up on TikTok. Yeah. Like, it was, wasn't really so much a bullying thing, but, like, maybe she, I don't know if she was ready to do that. I don't think she was ready to release that, but she did because it was, she kind of just had to, like, hop on that momentum while it was there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I remember that. And, like, bullying works. It does. <laughs> and we will find out next week if how well bullying works because we are seeing Dua Lipa and we'll, we'll be seeing her, her dancing skills. I think we all know the video of, um, <laughs> we, don't, we don't have tons of her here to do it. For those it, but, not listening, no, the, um, we just did the Dua Lipa. The, the one kiss is all know, it the, takes, the, you know. You know the dance, you know the, the video. One. Go girl, give us nothing. <laughs> but she got flamed for that. But yeah, I think she really has improved based on what I've seen. Oh my God. The Grammys yeah. and different award shows, but yeah. oh, for sure, yeah. 
I used to bully her because I wasn't even into a fan of hers, but I am now because I'm literally going to see her in concert. And that's just a part of her becoming more a more experienced artist. I mm -hmm. feel like that is going to happen. Of course, she's going to grow, but yeah. um, I think it, a lot of that probably did come from her being aware of the um, bullying that was happening online. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think that like. Because now that the fans have this platform to interact with the people they stand directly. So closely. Yeah. It's not, like, it's not like they send them a letter and like it goes through their agent, like maybe they'll see it. Like, no, they are literally commenting on their posts, sending them direct messages on mm -hmm. Twitter and Instagram. Yeah. Like mentioning them on, in tweets. It's kind of like impossible for a celebrity to not see these things. Mm -hmm. Even if they don't see every single one, they're aware that it's happening. And I think yeah. people don't understand. It's like the classic conversation about cyberbullying. Like, you know, may not look like it, but they do see your hate comments. You know, but yeah, they, you, they are aware of like the conversations happening like in their fan groups. I mean, even if they're like Harry Styles and don't really have a social media platform, he's talked a lot about how like he's he really appreciates his fans because they hold him accountable. And he's like, they don't, mm -hmm. they have such a great bull. He like said something specifically that was like they have such a great bullshit detector. Like they don't let you get away with stuff like that, which I, I think is really that's definitely a thing. But yeah, it's also like speaking of Harry, they kind of like the bullying thing too is like. When he first, he, he did his, he just did his U.S. tour, which I went to, if you know, I'm sure y'all know that, but he, um, uh, at first he didn't include the song To Be So Lonely on the set list, and that's like a big fan favorite, and people were so, like, pissed about that, so people on social media basically bullied him into putting it on, and he didn't do it at every concert, he didn't, he, he did not perform it at the concert I went to, but he performed it at, like, some shows, like, usually it was, like, if he was in a city for, like, two days, he would do it on, like, the second night or something, but yeah, they literally just, like, bullied him and influenced him. Bullying is like, I'd say that like, but it wasn't that intense. But because the fans were like, put it on the set, put it on the set. Yes, he did it. Like, he listened. And didn't something happen like with Taylor with like, yeah. you just told me about that. Yeah, I, I read somewhere that the song Sparks Fly, the one that's like, drop everything now. If you're not, if you're not a Taylor fan, but right. I'm sure everyone's heard that song. Um, Sparks Fly, that was, a, that was a song that she performed live in between her debut album and the Fearless album, but it never was on either of those albums. But the fans loved it so much, they, they bullied her into releasing it, like recording it and releasing it, and it was on her Speak Now album. Yeah, which I'm so glad it was, because that's like literally one of my favorites. Oh my god, yeah. Meet me in the pouring rain. rain. Kiss me on the sidewalk. Take away the pain. Cause I see sparks fly whenever you smile. Thank you. So, what are the effects and implications of all this? Like, you know, something you mentioned earlier. Oh, yeah, something I mentioned earlier about, about how responsible are celebrities for their fans' behavior. Mm -hmm. um, because on one hand, it's like, oh, that's not... If there are fans doing toxic and harmful things, that's not the celebrity themselves doing that directly. Mm -hmm. So is that is that their burden to carry? That's the question. I say yes, because like what, like what we were saying earlier, there's, there's no way that they're not aware of it. Yeah. There's no way. And so I think if they're aware of that and they and they let it happen, then they are complicit in in letting that yeah happen and, and not necessarily encouraging it, but sitting back and letting it yeah and letting it happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know that's like definitely a conversation. Is like 
yeah, like, how responsible are they for, like, the way their fans are behaving? Because, like, a lot of times, like, the fans aren't... Sometimes the fans are egged on by the people they stay on. Like, if you think about, like, Travis Scott, um, and he has created a culture in his fan base of, like, rioting and, like, being very boisterous at concerts, which has led to some horrible implications, mm -hmm. as we saw at Astro World Festival. Um, but also in other ways, like the fans just get that way because they have all of this passion for the person that they stand, that they take it to like such extremes. And so, yeah, it is like, there is that question of like, how much of that is that celebrity responsible for, you know? Yeah, but then if the fans, I mean, if a celebrity's fan base is consistently like rabid and feral and they, I mean, that's such a burden for the celebrity to, mm -hmm. to carry. Yeah. Um, so I think it is hard discussion. Let me know what you think in the comments. I know, that's that's a, <laughs> that's a topic that I can see like both, or where I stand is that it is their responsibility to come out and address it and try their hardest to combat it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, I guess if it persists and it's, they are one person, Yeah. What, how much can they actually do? Yeah, it kind of makes mm -hmm. me think about like, how in similarly it's like how responsible are celebrities, like I was talking about how they like have this like, people expect celebrities to uphold, like, the moral standards. Like, how responsible are they for, like, commenting on current issues? Because I remember in 2020, obviously a lot of unrest during, like, the Black Lives Matter protests and everything, fans were really pushing Harry Styles so hard to, like, say something, to denounce this that's happening, or to denounce other current issues that have happened. Because they're, like, they, they almost take it as maybe if the celebrity they love is, like, not saying anything, it means they're complicit, which I think silence is violence in a lot of contexts, but... It was this whole thing where it's like Harry Styles, for example, doesn't have like a huge social media presence other than like, you know, just like PR kind of stuff. And I don't even think he like runs his own social media, but people were like really pushing for him to say something. Eventually he did. And obviously he was like, he like went to protest, like not, like, but clearly not trying to be photographed. He just like was very covered up and was trying to just go to protest, which I really appreciated. But yeah, there was, or, or um, he was also performing at some like Super Bowl concert. It was like some like Super Bowl sponsored event in Florida somewhere and people were like pushing him really hard to drop out because like oh well, the Super Bowl and the NFL has a lot of history of racism like obviously like and that's so they were like Harry like doing this is like it seems like you're supporting this and you really shouldn't of course the concert got canceled because there was like hurricanes or something so it didn't even happen but he still went through with it and a lot of people had an issue with that so it's sort of like one of those things where it's like how much of a social responsibility yeah you know yeah and I think they do have a big social responsibility ability yeah with the platform that yeah. they do have because um i mean a lot of people are like celebrities should just stick to entertaining you know <laughs> but i <laughs> and but i but i think that celebrities are allowed to have opinions about social social issues mm -hmm. and they should be able to to share those if they see fit because it is they do have such a platform and they are influential people yeah um and and them raising awareness about an issue can truly make a difference yeah mm -hmm. Can I have to make oh my god is it an eyelash i was wondering if i had a had a wish <laughs> <laughs> um and then another thing and then another thing a lot of times big fandoms are exploited, I think, either for profit or for viewership. So something that has been a very topical issue with BTS has been that BTS gets nominated for like Grammys and 
American awards a lot of the time, but doesn't win them. That happens a lot. And so a lot of fans are like, and it's pretty clear, they're just using the nominations to, like, it's, it's, they use these nominations, like, just to get the viewership of BTS's clearly huge, influential fandom. BTS gets these nominations, which obviously, like, in the U.S., getting a Grammy is a huge honor, but then, like, they don't actually win anything, and so people are like, okay, And it's like, just... they, they just nominated them for viewership, yeah. so, because they knew that they had a huge, mm -hmm. huge following that would... Yeah. Yeah, that's fucked up. And then BTS gets here and they get these, like, red carpet interviews where, like, the hosts, like, talk down to them a lot mm -hmm. because they're not, like, native English speakers. And I think, like, RM, who's, like, kind of the leader of the group, he usually does a lot of the translating. Rather than getting BTS a translator, which would be really nice, they rely fully on RM, which she speaks, like, pretty much fluent English. But obviously it's still challenging if it's your second language. No. And they kind of just, they kind of talk down to them. They kind of infantilize them a little bit in the way they interview them. And it's just, like, fans are so sick of it. It's to the point now where, like, the actual guys in the band will just, like, say, like, bullshit answers, like, as jokes. Like, they're like, so, like, what American artist do you want to collab with next? And they go, BTS! Or, like, Taeyong! Or, like, Jimin! Just as like, a joke, because they're just, like... They don't really care, but yeah, they just like totally do that. To, I feel like to just like exploit the fact that they have a huge fan base, you know. Or mm -hmm. like, there's this thing happening right now where like Billie Eilish is holding a contest for like fans to design, like I don't know if it's merch or a logo, but like some sort of like merch or logo or something where it's like, yeah, submit your designs and you can be picked. But ultimately, a lot of people who are like professional artists who are like, hey, by the way, this is a scam because if you submit anything to this, you give them complete rights over your oh. work and you're not going to get paid at all. No royalties, no commission that, fee, That's nothing. what I was just about to ask if yeah. they would be compensated no. if, if... Oh! Vilyanka, <laughs> girl. Girl! Uh. I know, it's fucked up. Like, <laughs> it's really just a way to exploit the fact that you have... advantage of people. Yeah, especially if it's like some innocent, like, younger fan who's like, oh my god, and they submit their thing and it gets They're kicked. so excited to get attention from Billie Eilish. Yeah. That, eh, eh. It don't sit right with me. Mm -mm, I don't like that. No, it's really... It, but that happens a lot. I, I, I can't... I don't know if any, like... I, I'm having a hard time thinking of, like, specific times this happened, but I have seen that happen for, like, events or celebrities where they do these, like, contests, but then a lot of times usually stuff goes around on Twitter where it's like, hey, by the way, just know if you submit to this contest, you lose all rights to your work, and you're gonna get nothing for it. So it's just excluding your... Ex excluding exploiting your fans who love you so much oh, to make funny. money. Yeah. It's, it's messed up. Boo! Tomato, 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 tomato. That's tomato, tomato where they behave. Mm -hmm. I don't like that. Yeah. But, with but, that being said, to bring it up. all of this being said, the cherry on top is that the moral of the story, the spine, the spine. of this podcast episode, <gasps> you know, internet stand culture, does bring us together. It does. Just look at what Taylor did for us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we would we would I'm, I'm saying we would have been together anyways. Okay. Well. But, but I mean it sure did help that we had Taylor. Thank you. The love the love would have been there. Yeah. With Taylor. But no, I know what you're saying. It's like people all over the world and stuff are like brought together and it's like unites right. us. Right. And we can all find a community of people that that enjoy the same things we do no yeah. matter where they are in the world. Like, yeah. No matter what you're a fan of, there are other people out there that yeah. that do also share that same interest in it, and that's just been made so much easier mm -hmm. in the last 15 years or so. Yeah. Like, um, like we were talking about a little bit earlier was like Euphoria Day. Oh, yeah, Euphoria when Euphoria Day. comes out, it literally brings, it's such a huge thing for like our generation. <laughs> Twitter and it, turns into... 
just a big like euphoria discussion mm -hmm. post. I know. And it's really like it's like when you take the PSAT and like you look at all the things <laughs> after. It's honestly like all, for me, I feel like it's like an encore of just like the actual it's fun. episode. Because it's just like you get to watch the episode and take it in and then get to Twitter. It's also <laughs> a way for all of us to just like collectively like process, process <laughs> the content that happens on that show. Um, but but I love that. I love mm. that so much. Yeah. It's like we're all friends. We're all on friends. The on the internet. <laughs> you know what I think it's time for? What? The TikTok of the week. The TikTok of the week. It's time for the TikTok of the week. Oh, don't forget that. You can switch the camera. Let, let him see. Oh, okay. <laughs> can I get some commotion for the ass? Woo! Yeah! <laughs> Could I get oh, some yeah. commotion for the ass? Yeah! Yeah, yeah! This one's pretty topical because this is an event that happened like two days ago. Uh And it's funny because me too. So for those who are listening, it's a video. It says me, me, me when Rihanna's water breaks, and it's someone on the ground <laughs> with a straw. <laughs> the flavors are melting on my tongue. And is that a little fucked up? Maybe, but I mean, hey. Know me in some capacity, so thank you. Oh, well, um, if you don't know me now, you no, can remember not. me as, as the boy who has a crush on Lightning McQueen. <laughs> <laughs> My claim to fame. That's also topical because it's like Rihanna fans, oh, I think. Yeah. That's <laughs> <laughs> a cute baby. So, yeah, I mean, we all participate in stand culture, we've all grown up on the internet, and it's messy. The girls are fighting, people are getting cancelled. <laughs> it's a mess. But it is so fascinating just to look at it from like just a perspective of like the little niche pockets of this culture and yeah. like how it works but like it does bring us together it brings us together and and i think it's kind of beautiful how we can make these friendships with people that like the same thing as us no mm -hmm. matter how far away they are yeah and i think there is so much more to say about stand culture so obviously like oh yeah if you want to hear more like i could totally i could do another do an encore episode no for real like maybe that'll be the bonus episode i mean there's just so much to get into about this but like yeah, I think like that about that wraps it up. I think yeah. for episode two. Oh, this was so much fun, Shannon. Thank Thanks you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. Of course, <laughs> you're welcome back anytime. If you would like to see more, Jack, Jack the Chavis, JC the Rocket. JC, can I can I like plug? Yes, please plug yeah, all your you, socials. You follow, follow, first of all, follow Chronically Online Pod and. Was it Shannon Dot? Shannon Dot Adeline on Instagram. On Instagram. Um, the Twitter. Okay. Yes. Right here. Yeah, they're gonna go right here. So follow <laughs> Chronically Online, Chronically Online Pod on Instagram, <laughs> Chronically Online Pod on TikTok, and Cron Online Pod on Twitter. Yeah, and if if you want to harass me on social media, if you want to cancel me for anything, send said, some lightning McQueen fan art. Send some lightning McQueen fan You can find me on Instagram at Jack Chavis. At Jack Chavis, or you can follow my drag account at JC Rocket. That's J A C E Y Rocket with two T's. That's me. Follow Jack. <laughs> and thank you all so much for tuning in. This has been Chronically Online episode two. And we'll see you all next time. Bye. Bye. And cut. <laughs>
<laughs> do it, do it, do it. See you guys next time. <laughs>